Things of Faith with Pastor Scott Hawkins. Welcome to the podcast, Things of Faith. Thanks for listening. Um, This is an interesting journey for me. I've been realizing that it's a different skill to sit and do this podcast as opposed to either in a room with people teaching a Bible study or preaching a sermon. A lot of times I'm alone in my office, actually all the time so far, I've been alone in my office. And if um, someone comes in, it's via the internet and having them over and having a conversation over the internet. So um, this different idea of trying to have personality and make it interesting and thoughtful for you guys, um, while also sitting kind of alone in my office and realizing I'm talking to you, but I'm talking to you here I am on a Monday recording this and who knows when you'll be listening to it. So um, yeah, it's just a different thing, but it's a lot of fun to learn how to do this and I'm enjoying this process and thinking through the topics and trying to have them move from one to the next so that they they move in kind of an orderly fashion. So as you are listening and hopefully having conversations with the people around you, that this order makes sense. So we're building a foundation and then laying the next thing on top of that so that you're not feeling like it's some brand new thing that you don't know where it came from. So we started by talking about the resurrection and seeing um, what that looked like, and then moving into the question of how do we know about the resurrection? Well, we looked at the authority of Scripture and reasons to believe what the Bible tells us, and then we also engaged that question about um, faith and how to just approach this through the miracle of faith, as opposed to trying to just wrap our heads around it, but realizing that submitting your life to something and and coming to God and bringing him our whole selves is an act of faith, which is an absolute miracle, not something that we can drum up inside of ourselves, but a result of the living God, the Holy Spirit around us. And so today, then, I want to talk about the person of Jesus. We've talked about the resurrection. We've talked about the scriptures. But now let's talk about the central character in these scriptures. So Martin Luther has a great quote where he says that the Bible is the manger to hold the Christ child. So you imagine opening up a Bible and holding your hands and peering down into it. We're looking to see Christ in that book. And Jesus is found in the Old Testament as well as in the New Testament. Jesus is all over. There are sometimes he's very, very clear. Other times you have to go searching for him. But the whole Bible leads up to and out of the person and work of Jesus. So, you know, you think about the Old Testament preparing the way and um, putting some things in our minds that we would be able to see. And so when Jesus showed up, he'd fit in the categories we already have. This is one of the great things Hebrews does is points out the Old Testament categories for Jesus that then he filled. And in the New Testament, all flows from his work. And so we are reflecting on what he did on the cross. We're learning about the teachings that he taught us. Uh, We're trying to live out those teachings. We're living in relationship with the Holy Spirit and God the Son and God the Father, which we'll get to in the topic of the Trinity on the next podcast. But all of it flows out of Jesus. So I had a professor in my undergraduate degree, Professor Middendorf, 
who loved to use this illustration called the bow tie analogy, where he put a bow tie up and he had the one side of the Old Testament all leading into the center knot. So getting more and more focused, if you imagine a bow tie on that center knot, and then that being the life and work of Jesus, especially the work on the cross and Easter, and then flowing out of that center knot to impact the whole world. So all of it comes down to Jesus, and all of it flows out of Jesus. Okay, so then, who is Jesus? Well, the most important thing that we realize is that he is God. So when we see him, we see God. He says this clearly in the Gospels. He is not created. He's not after God. He is God. John 1 has that beautiful opening. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. John making it very clear that the person of Jesus is God, so that we don't have to wonder if he is just a created being or if he is something other than God, but he is God. And we have to wrap this up next time with the Trinity and having a conversation about the Trinity. But before we get there, I really wanted to make sure we talk about who Jesus was. So he is God and he is a hundred percent God. He is all God while also at the same time being fully man. So he is fully God and he's fully man. Now, of course, this is very clear in the Christmas story because we have Mary, who is a human, born a human, born of a lineage, um, a normal woman, which, of course, if we were um, a Catholic tradition, we would debate that topic. But here in the Lutheran tradition, we would say she's a normal woman, but yet she has this baby inside of her. Without having any way to have a baby, she has a baby. Well, that is a miracle. And as well, pointing back to the fact that God is his father and God is involved in this whole process. Now, what's so different, of course, about Christmas than Easter is, is that we have the witness of Mary and the witness of Joseph, but we, we don't know for sure, right? Until the cross. When he resurrected from the dead, then that story of Christmas and Mary's testimony that she was a virgin and she gave birth to this son is verified because this one who rose from the dead also now has this miraculous incarnation. Incarnation meaning wrapped in flesh. So God wrapped up in flesh. So we have Jesus who is fully God and he's fully man. And when we use those kinds of terms, um, the temptation always is to take him and one of his characters and make it less than full. So because we want the math to be clean, we say things like, you know, he's 50% God and 50% man, therefore 100% Jesus, and that's what, you, that's what is unique about him. Now, that's really clean math because 50 plus 50 is 100, but unfortunately, that's not the way the Bible teaches about him. He teaches that, or the Bible teaches that everything it is to be God is found in Christ. He is fully God. So all the categories, all of the things you put on God is on Christ. Now, 
there's one thing to keep in mind while saying that, is that Christ chose to set aside his godly, I don't know, powers is the word we'll use, but that sounds a little bit too superhero-y. Um, but God chose to set aside his godly characteristics like omnipresent, being everywhere, omniscient, being all-knowing. And he chose to set those things aside while he was here on earth. And so Jesus wasn't everywhere while he was on earth. No, he was in Israel, in that man, Jesus. He was that man, Jesus. And so Philippians says, you know, he set aside, he laid aside his godly powers. And so that was a choice that Christ made. It wasn't um, he was less than because he couldn't do those things. But instead of using his full glory, he chose to set those things aside so that he could be with us. Again, an amazing story of love and compassion towards us. And so fully God, and then also fully man. Everything it is to be a human, Jesus was. He understands what it's like to be lonely. He understands what it's like to have friends betray him. He understands what it's like to have joy, to have laughter, to experience um, the world and to be hungry and to be tired and to sweat and to have his feet hurt. I mean, all of those things, all of those things that we experience on earth, Jesus experienced. And that means that when we come before him and we pray either, you know, Lord, my feet hurt right now. I've been at Disneyland all day. I've been walking around. He goes, I get it. Or we pray, oh, I just feel so alone. I feel like no one understands me. He gets it. And to have this God who, who truly understands what it is to be human and at the same time being God is miraculous in that it makes Christ this unique because never before and never again has there been somebody who is both containing the fullness of divinity and the fullness of humanity inside of himself. It makes him able to go to the cross so that he can be a worthy substitute for us. It makes him be approachable so that he understands what it's like in our human, in our humanity, in our human weakness, in our human joy to, um, to be, and he can, we can approach him, as uh, Hebrew says, we can approach him with confidence because of those things. And so we're holding these two things, this, this fullness of humanity and this fullness of divinity, and we're holding them together, and we're not apologizing for either one. Now, Here's why I say it that way, because this is going to be the first time, but it's not going to be the last. In fact, it's something that we see over and over and over again when we come to Christianity, that we have to hold two ideas in tension with one another and allow them both to be true without compromising or apologizing for the other one. And the, the fancy term to put on this is dialectical tension. So we're going to say two things that don't seem to fit together while also, um, but, but not allowing one to be less than or um, smaller or um, compromise the other one. So as I said earlier, our temptation when we come to Jesus is to see this full man and full God and go, how does that work? Well, it must be kind of half-half, or he must set aside so much of his God nature to make room for 
the human nature. And in doing so, we compromise his character. We take away either him being divine or him being human. And so the challenge of Christianity is to say both of these things. God, Christ is fully divine. He Everything when you see God, you see in him, as well as being fully human. And so we come to this place where we have two ideas that don't seem to fit together, but yet those two ideas are what it is to be Christian and especially what it is to see Christ. So as I think about this, um, and again, this is the concept we're going to come to time and time again. Uh, We come there with the Trinity next week. Is God three? Yes, absolutely. Is he one? Yes. Well, how does that work? He is both, and that's what it is to be in the Trinity. Now, we want to, again, try to make them easily understandable, but we're not allowed to in Orthodox Christianity. We have to allow both things to exist. So when we come to Jesus Christ and we have his humanity and his divinity, we enter into this space of this dialectical tension. Uh, The way that I I like to think about it is imagine um, a ship and imagine the ship's in the harbor and it's being loaded. And on one side of the ship, you load this doctrine of that Jesus Christ is fully divine. And you put that on one side of the ship. If you were just to leave that there, the ship would start to tip and take on water on that side. Now, in order to balance it out, you put a load on the other side of the ship and you put this load of Jesus Christ is fully human on the other side. And the ship then comes into balance. The fact that the ship is in balance is not because of the two doctrines. It's because those two doctrines are held on the ship and it's floating. That place is where we exist. We are that ship that we contain those two doctrines, holding them in place and not compromising those two sides, but allowing them to exist inside of us. And so we say and we celebrate everything it is to have Jesus be fully divine, to have a God who has authority, who has power, who is omniscient, who's omnipresent, who, who um, can work miracles, who has existed from before time and is not created. All of those things is found in Jesus. And at the same time, fully human, to have a heartbeat, to have, um, again, experience all the emotions. And just the ones that are so like just deeply human, right? Just to get tired. And, you know, again, recording this on uh, just right after we sprang forward. And this morning, oh, it was so tough to get going and to get the kids going and to get out of the house because that extra hour. And so you just look up to Jesus and go, oh, the sun's not at the right place. I'm trying a hard time getting up. And what can Jesus say? He can say, ah, I get it. I arose early in the morning to pray. And in his flesh, you know what that feeling's like. You know what it's like to come out of the covers and not want to have to go into your day. And Jesus gets that. See, that's what it is to have this this divine and this human all wrapped up together into, into Christ, into who he is. So those natures, I'm going to give you one more of my favorite words that we'll use um, later, but the, my favorite word here is amalgam. Amalgam are two things that are put together and they form a brand new thing. 
Usually we use the word um, when you're getting your teeth filled. The the stuff that they fill your teeth with is an amalgam. So they mix it together on that side table, then they shove it into the place where your cavity was, and that is a new thing that then hardens in your mouth. Uh, copper and tin, those make bronze. That's an amalgam. After copper and tin have been boiled together, they cannot be separated back into copper and tin. So they become bronze, and that's a brand new thing. Jesus, in his divinity and his humanity, became the Christ. He became this, this thing, this brand new thing that was all human and all divine, and it was the Christ. And so, again, not to think of it like a cup being filled up half-half, but to think of this brand new thing that showed up on the scene. Jesus Christ, the divine one, the human one, found in living form, walking the ground in Israel, loving his disciples, revealing to us who God is. Because if we see Jesus, we see the divine. We see God. He's revealed himself to us. Having a God who understands us, having a God who knows us, all of those things are found in the Christ, are found in what it is to be Jesus and him. And so we get the privilege of having this relationship with that living, breathing, walking God. And and the reason we started the resurrection again is this is such an extraordinary claim. It's such a, I mean, almost unbelievable, right? It's just so big and huge and, and intimidating that you'd want to go, no, 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 that can't be the case. That can't be how it works, but it is. And since it's the case, that means that we then can believe it. Why? Because he rose from the dead, because of the empty tomb. And so when we come to these extraordinary claims and we have this temptation to push them to the side or or compromise them in some way, because it just doesn't fit. It doesn't fit into our understanding. The, the first part is, yes, of course, Christianity is a mystery, and there's this amazing mystery at the heart of Christianity. And part of that is the person of Jesus, that he is fully divine and he's fully human. And so we have the privilege then of worshiping this God and believing it because the authority is found in the empty tomb, which then points us to go, okay, so this extraordinary claim of Christmas this extraordinary move must be true. Why? The tomb's empty. So that's how kind of all this stuff fits together. So as we come to Christ and as we think about the person of Christ, remember to say things that are, are, are allowing him to be that fully divine one and that fully human one. Those, those same people, the same thing wrapped up and made into the Christ. It is so hard. It's so hard to not compromise one or the other. But our call as a Christian is to do both and let them both exist inside of us. And in doing so, that is where the Christ is. And that is the amazing truth that Jesus is, is that when we see him, we see the Father. We see the divine one. And we have a God who understands us. That is the amazing thing about this faith that we share. Okay, so um, coming out of this, we have our conversation starter for conversation time for you guys. And, you know, um, the encouragement I have is Luther used to do these table talks where he'd make these little books and they would be time for the family to talk about these different things of faith. 
I want these to be those for you, to, to be in the car or to be wherever you guys uh, gather together and to listen to the conversation starter. And then for your voice to be the one who is conveying these truths so that it's not just constantly the pastor or um, youth pastors, but your family is used to having these wonderful conversations about faith. And hopefully they, you know, go off on some rabbit trail and you guys get to enjoy that time. But let's see, as we, um, the people of God, are taking our faith into our homes, conversations with the ones that we love, sitting around a table, driving in a car, uh, wherever it be, uh, but to allow those to um, have this depth and this richness. And again, um, the rabbit trails, those are some of the greatest truths that we can do together so that our homes are safe places to talk about these most important things, the fact that Jesus loves us and is with us. Okay. So um, thank you. Thank you for listening. Um, as I said, I'm, I'm trying to, to get used to this new format of communicating to everybody. I'm learning. I'm enjoying it. It's been really fun. So yeah, let's continue this journey together. Things of Faith with Pastor Scott Hawkins.